0: The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by
1: our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship. Bold, biblical principles for a robust, public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz.
0: Good day, good day, Washington, D.C. and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. Today with us, Dr. Paul Devontier, Many of you have heard his voice on the radio, by the way, a devotional minute, I say, that can change your life. Well, Paul, you've been on that radio program for a long time. When did that start?
1: Well, the program actually started in 1956. Wow! And um, I became the speaker in 1974, mm-hmm. and I was only four years old at the time. Of course,
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, yes, Paul. I, I looked at your uh, at your resume. Obviously, the speaker of the program, the executive director for the National Lutheran Alliance, senior vice president at Concordia Seminary national director of the adoption awareness program back in the day and i do want to talk about that in another program but today kfuo you were the general manager of kfuo you were you've been involved in radio for a long time and i don't know if a lot of our listeners realize, but there was a point in time where there was like a hostile takeover of attempt uh to take kfuo away from our church and i'll go further um this was a hostile shakedown attempt where government was misused and where a small immigrant church that didn't really have the resources to fight back still fought back and won. And and so I wanted to talk to you about that because you were inti- intimately involved with that. So can you just set the stage for us a little bit? What happened back in the 90s with KFUO?
1: Well, That was a bittersweet period of time in the history of KFUO and for me personally as well. KFUO AM uh, began in 1924 and continues to be the world's oldest religious radio station. So a long history of broadcasting and KFUO FM began in 1948 Uh, one of the very first FM radio stations. So a long history in broadcasting, and up until 1990, KFU had a wonderful record of service. But as you know, uh, radio stations periodically have to renew their licenses. And the renewal was due to occur in 1990, And at that time, we were notified that the NAACP had filed against the renewal of our licenses uh, because of uh, discrimination in our hiring practices. So that was a new experience for KFUO, and it was a... A frightening one, as you can imagine. And it was actually,
0: you know, they were utilizing um, some of these affirmative action rules. And again, people don't understand, too. This was KFUO, especially FM, was also a classic music radio station. And it had never been discriminatory in any way. But it is interesting that they could use, they could weaponize policy and and bring the, the, the government against you. And to kind of knuckle you under. And I think the, the, the goal was to finally make you sell. Was that not correct?
1: Yes, actually, to um, to make at least one of the radio stations available right. um, for sale to a minority owner at a reduced price. Right. And uh, that was the appeal to KFUO. You can settle this case rather quickly and easily if... Um, you put in process the sale of one of your radio stations.
0: Yeah, well, so we'll devalue it, and then we'll buy it at a discount. You know, one of the things that we talk about on this program is that good politics cannot save us, but bad politics sure can destroy us. And we've been talking about things like that with the cake baker in, in uh, the Denver area and and we said well he has this particular view on marriage why should that he he's been he's open to care you know to sell anything in his shop for anybody who comes in but he he won't make things that are against his conscience and and if you can go find another cake baker who will do it down the road why does every deli need to be kosher you know why does everybody have to have your view on everything and those kind of things whether it's 303 creative or or whether you want to have a classical station or another kind of radio station um people should be able to choose where they wish to go and wish to work and the rules should be the same for all that's the kind of thing that kfuo had to fight back already back in the 90s because they were weaponizing politics really so that they could get a radio station and so the fight began Um, tell us um well why did you fight because it wound up costing i think you told me two million dollars and and it was nine years of litigation.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was not an easy decision, but uh, in the final analysis, recognizing the ownership of the radio station and its commitment to ministry with and to minorities throughout its history, frankly, was not Something we were going to easily give up or admit to doing things that were not in the best interest of those minority communities and our own members. And to admit in the midst of all of that, that somehow we had been derelict in our work with the FCC to maintain equal employment opportunities for employees at the radio station. It was not something that I could do personally. I often wished in the whole process that there were more individuals who stood up to support our point of view But it was something that the board that operated uh, the radio stations, staff members, and as we discovered in the whole process, legislators on Capitol Hill who were willing to step forward and say, this is simply not fair. So when we learned that licenses were in jeopardy, we began a process with the FCC to provide information
0: and Paul let me jump in here Um, very often when the government sues you the process is the punishment even if you're absolutely squeaky clean uh, it the process can ultimately destroy the litigant and and so please describe a little bit more what exactly started to happen talk about the process
1: that process took about four years. We delivered more than 4,000 pages of information from the wow. station, sent employees to Washington, D.C. to participate in depositions. And in 1994, now we're already four years after the beginning of this, an administrative law judge at the FCC conducted a week-long hearing and uh, i participated in that other staff members did and at the end of that week-long hearing The administrative law judge ruled that there was really no indication whatsoever of racial discrimination in the hiring of KFUO, which, of course, made us feel very good because we didn't want that to be the case. However, the stations violated federal law by giving preference to Christians— to work at the radio station in certain positions at the radio station. So while we were not discriminatory in our hiring practices, uh, we violated the law because we gave preference to Christians at a Christian radio station. And it's at that's that what's point.
0: amazing. Well, let me jump in with you. That's what's amazing sure. because this whole the whole reason we bought the station, paid for the station at a time when, again, we were a small immigrant church that really was has never been a big voice in the American context, we bought that for the sake of the gospel and then helped launch, and I know Lutheran Hour is bigger than KFUO, but even the Lutheran Hour message, I, in my research, because I'm an urban pastor for 25 years, and I've always thought that our message actually can, can bless uh, in the middle of all this racial animus and these kinds of things, when people heard the Lutheran Hour on the radio black, white, everybody in between, they all wanted to know where that message was being preached and where it was being shared because they'd never heard it before. And in my investigation and, and research on this, one of the little girls that was at the Baptist church when, uh, you know, the crazy... Uh, racist bombed it. What She was a little Lutheran girl, LCMS Lutheran girl whose f- family had joined our church because of what was preached on the Lutheran Hour and what was proclaimed through KFUO and other radio stations like that. And so, again, you were you were being knuckled under by the, by the forces of government that, in this case, were out of control. Because like you just said, the FCC exonerated you, but then punished you at the same time. And, and so the
1: the fight was you, you had to continue the fight, right? Yes, indeed. And um, the NAACP, uh, after the 94 ruling, appealed the decision and we followed suit. We couldn't at that point in time abandon the case. And so the case continued and it went through uh, the FCC, the commissioners and all along the path that initial ruling of the administrative law judge held. And we finally got to the point of appealing the case to the Federal Appeals Court in the District of Columbia to make a a final ruling. Uh, Of course, it could have been uh, moved up to the Supreme Court as well, but we were now at the point of the Federal Appeals Court in the District of Columbia, and that appeals court issued its ruling in early 1998. So now we're some eight years from the beginning of of. The whole process. And that appeals court ruled that there was no lack of candor in anything the church body had done. There had been a fine imposed of $50,000. That was struck down. No sanctions whatsoever on the radio station and even indicated that the FCC's Equal Employment Opportunity Rule and Program were unconstitutional. This, Dr. Zeltz, uh, really was a landmark case in the fight for religious liberty. Of course, the NAACP had an opportunity at that point, and the FCC both, had an opportunity to appeal the decision to the Supreme Court, and the NAACP at that point dropped out of the litigation, and the FCC chose not to appeal it to the Supreme Court. So in December of 1998, the case ended, and we were able to praise the Lord for the victory that that we had won, as difficult as it was. You know, I'll never look back and regret not standing up for what we honestly believed was the truth in this case, and our ability to function as a religious organization without the kind of government intervention and scrutiny that we had experienced during this long
0: case. You know, if you'd have knuckled under and and now that I know the pressure you, I know the pressure you were under. I mean, the process is the punishment. I mean, I see this with the Jack Phillips case. He, we met him. He's the, the owner of the cake, uh, the, the bake, baker shop bakery in, uh, in Colorado. And, and he was brought to tears in one of our meetings. Cause it's been the same kind of thing. Nine, 10 years. They keep coming back at him and back at him and back at him. And I just kept saying, when the government sues you. When when you've got the force of the federal government suing you or the local government suing you, they they have endless money, they have endless opportunity, and this case must have been so overwhelmingly in our favor that they finally gave up because they don't give up if they feel like they can win, and and then I look at this and say, but they should have never been playing this kind of game in the first place. They should have never been able to accuse us if they would if you'd have knuckled under. People like me who followed on the radio, we would have been uh, besmirched. Our our voice would have been always, oh, you're the you're the church that w- actually was ruled against in this particular case, and our message would have been tainted. And that's yes. that's what you were fighting for. And I'm if you didn't keep fighting the Lutheran Hour, which I was the speaker of the Lutheran Hour, our message would have been tainted as if we were just a white church speaking this message. Et cetera, et cetera. And thank God you kept fighting because this was a message we wanted to get out for all to hear. Um, you So you've been in radio uh, all these time. You fought for our own radio station. And you've kept the radio program going. Uh, by the way, that, that's that been since 1974. Tell me why, again, because ultimately you fought. And you fought to keep the K- KFUO in our hands. But you fought to serve you know that you know the fighting was penultimate. It was secondary, but it was necessary so that you could keep doing things like you're doing. Tell me a little bit about uh, the joy of being on the radio for so long.
1: Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem that long, but uh, the calendar <laughs> doesn't lie. The calendar doesn't lie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm in my 49th year as speaker on, by the way. Wow. and it's been a, an avocation really uh, okay. something i did in addition to full time employment elsewhere but radio is something from little on i thought was a special gift from god and i've said many times i i really preferred radio because the pictures were so much better and it's <laughs> it's true because radio involves The imagination of the listener and uh, draws listeners in in a way that those things that are so blatant, such as television, of course, can't do as well. Right. And so it's something I've enjoyed. I thank God for the opportunity to have done it as long as I have. And uh, thank the Lord for what we experienced in the 90s, in spite of the fact that there was a lot of sadness and a lot of concern about the future, not only of the radio stations, but the relationship we had with listeners and those in minority groups within our church body, and praise the Lord, I mean, all that turned out uh, very well, despite the investment of $2 million and uh, all the time and effort that was required of the radio stations.
0: Yeah, because it, it definitely took away, you know, from the work of messaging, of trying to make sure that our message gets out, because I'm, I'm involved in that now, both in the defense of our churches, schools. Uh, universities, the caricature that people have of conservative Christians and all that. We have to deal with the messaging of that, the protection of that, but all for the sake of of making sure that the gospel, which is the gospel is this proclamation of what God has done for all of us, because we all have this incredible need and and messaging that today in, in this, uh, the cacophony of voices out there uh, of white noise that, that speaks to the contrary. It, it takes a lot of work. Well, all that... Work was on top of the work of just defending yourself and making sure that you weren't sludged or uh, kicked off the air or or wound up selling the actual vehicle that that our church had sacrificed for for tens of you know for for almost a half a decade or for almost half a century. So, you know, that stuff is really really important folks. This is why judges matter. This is um why religious liberty matters. This is why the right view of government matters where, you know, you you don't want the government picking winners and losers. You want them to create rules that are fair for everybody and then let them call balls and strikes fairly and let us play the game and then let us demonstrate that, that we're a people who have a, a kindness and a mercy and a message that we're willing to even sacrifice for to deliver to folks even unlike ourselves. But we're not going to be caricatured and we're not going to be abused by bad government and bad policy. Um, if you look at the Lutheran Church history, we when we finally stand and when we realize, man, the truth is that at, it, it's not even about us anymore. It's about what we say. Is this true or not? Um, Trinity Lutheran, it stood. Hosanna Tabor, it stood. Those became foundational yes. cases for your freedoms. Yes. And now I know and can tell you that KFUO stood for you. So for those of you who are with us on the NRB and, and the National Religious Broadcasters and Protection, we LCMS people have been standing for this uh protection so that you can preach and teach uh the whole counsel of god without fear any other advice to our churches paul i mean you you you've been through uh the mill a little bit you've seen how powerful government is i mean that process was punitive even though you won if you'd have lost i mean that it would have been even more punitive any words of advice to those of us who are fighting this religious battle and maybe say something about those who think we shouldn't be fighting this religious battle, freedom
1: battle. Well, I mean, the standard old advice, don't give up. Uh, There were quite a few opportunities we had in the process to give up. We met face to face with representatives of the NAACP to talk about some kind of resolution to the matter. And uh, that didn't produce a positive result, uh, and there were those who said, "You can't invest all of this money. The station is not worth it. Just be done with it." Right. And I think that's uh, as we understand, as you've articulated, the power of the government, and we understand what it is capable of doing. Uh, there is. The temptation to say, look, uh, there's no way I can win this. We might as well uh, throw in the towel. And I'm so grateful. And I wasn't the only one, had some wonderful support, including from the NRB. You just mentioned National Religious Broadcasters. Brant Gustafson, who was president at the time, was one of our dearest friends and strongest supporters. Uh, There are people out there, and there should be more of them who are willing to take a stand and stick to what they believe is the truth and recognize what the founders of our country said very plainly in the First Amendment, no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof." thereof. And in the KFUO case, It was clear that there were some who wanted to prohibit the free exercise of our beliefs. And I don't know what would happen today, Dr. Seltz, if if something similar were to occur. But I have sense that, you know, the attacks on Christians, individuals, and organizations seems to be increasing. And it may be even more difficult today to achieve the kind of resolution that we were able to achieve back in the 90s.
0: Well, let me just close with a good thought, though. Um, legally, I think we're in better shape. And that's uh, something I talked to with uh, Kelly Shackelford's First Liberty. So this is good news uh, in the sense that um, the legal protections that have been established by Cases like KFUO and then cases that have just happened these last couple of years, we actually have more protection legally than we've ever had before. But we've been browbeaten culturally to believe that we shouldn't. And so uh, I think that's what we're seeing. The culture is now more uh, set set its teeth against the work of the church in ways we just, just a few years ago would have thought would be outrageous. But the legal protections are actually stronger. But again, that means we're going to have to exercise our public voice to actually see that in action. Well, anyway, I'll close with this thought. Uh, and thank you again for being with us, um, Dr. Devontir. You know, I, I, I say this. God has given us this incredible First Amendment protection. So use your temporal liberties. Use your temporal liberties, protections and provisions and responsibilities. Use them. Put your temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of Christ. You know, use these things that God has given us so we can proclaim the whole counsel of God for all to hear. And, Paul, thank you so much for the effort that you put in that accomplished just that. Have a great day.
1: Well, thank you so much, and I commend you and the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty for doing what you're doing and representing so many of us. Blessings. Thank you again.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly word from the center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash freedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week.
1: You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty.